Science and Answers. Shopping has begun. Holiday music fills every store. The hustle and bustle of sales and bargains are in all newspaper ads and commercials. It seems that the true message of Christmas has somehow gotten lost in the commercialism of our world. What really is the reason for the season? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today in our broadcast, Pat will share what the reason for the season is, the message of Christ and Him alone. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's our host, Dr. Pat Zucran, with part two of The Reason for the Season. How can there be an all-powerful, loving God when there's so much evil and suffering in the world? Doesn't the historical evidence show go against the historical accuracy of the Bible? All of these cities and people, man, we haven't even found them in historical archaeology. Weren't the Gospels written hundreds of years after Christ and an inaccurate, legendary account of a man who possibly never existed? All these just seem overwhelming. And I was introduced to the wonderful world of apologetics as an 18-year-old. And one of the men that I read was a guy named Norman Geisler. And he was presenting powerful evidence and powerful arguments that Christianity was indeed true, that God did exist. The Bible was God's word. Jesus was a real historical person who lived a sinless, miraculous life, who lived and died and rose again. Powerful, powerful arguments. And as a young man, I must have read about half a dozen of his books in high school and college, being able to answer some of the powerful arguments against Christianity. And I became familiar with the a few books of his that I read, and his thinking and writing helped shape a lot of my theology and the thinking of today. And this man became just a giant in my eyes, so influential in my thinking. Well, after college, someone told me, they said, Norman Geisler, he teaches at a school in Dallas. And I thought, wait, this guy's alive? You know, all great theologians died 100 years ago. So while he's still alive, they said, yeah, he's teaching there at Dallas. Why don't you go study under him? I said, well, well, yeah, well, certainly. I'll go study under the man. And so I applied to graduate school. I got in, and I got there, and I wandered around campus the first day looking for Dr. Norman Geisler, the legend, Dr. Norman Geisler. And it was that year he left for another university in Virginia. So you can see how heartbroken I was that he wasn't there on campus. And so I finished the program and went on to be an associate pastor. And after I joined Probe, someone said, oh, Norman Geisler. Well, you know, by then I had read about two dozen of his books. They said, Norman Geisler, he's teaching at a grad school in North Carolina. Why don't you go apply, go study under him? So with great excitement, I applied, I got into the program, and I began the program there in North Carolina. And I remember the first day walking into class thinking, am I finally going to meet the great Norman Geisler? And I walked into class, and there he was. And I sat there speechless. Nothing to say to the man. Here I thought I was going to bombard him and talk to him and 
and have hope. I had about a million things to ask the man, and there, standing in front of him, I had nothing to say, just nothing. I just stood there in awe of this guy. Wish I had that effect on people. The last conference I was at, uh, three women were talking and saying, wow, listen to Pat Zucharan. Oh, I get to see Pat Zucharan. So I walked up to them and I said, hello, I'm Pat Zucharan. And you could see the disappointment on their face. One lady looked at me and she goes, you sound taller on the radio. <laughs> you sound taller. What is it? But anyway, I just stood in awe of this guy. And he looked over at me and he said, want some nuts? And the first words out of my mouth were, Dr. Geisler, you owe me. You owe me big time. And he looked. He said, why do I owe you anything? I said, you know, in 1990, I left paradise. I left Hawaii. I left a great job as a DJ and a golf instructor. I left my girlfriend. I left it all behind to study under you at Dallas Theological Seminary in 1990. And he looked and said, I left in 1990. And I said, that's why. That's why you owe me. You owe me big time. And without even smiling, he said, well, I heard you were coming. So I got out of there. <laughs> and so with a thunderous roar of laughter, we both laughed. And the entire class yeah, laughed about it. During the years, I was fortunate enough to have studied under this man as his student, fortunate enough to speak and teach alongside of him at conferences, to spend time with him here in Hawaii and in North Carolina, to write with this man. And he became more than a teacher, a figure in a book that I read. Now became, he now became flesh and blood, a true life person that I spent a lot of time with, and even in the darkest days of my life, when I was ready to walk out of the ministry and call it quits, he's the one that gave me a call and told me to persevere and press on. And so he became a great friend and a mentor throughout the years. And now when I read his books, you know, it doesn't seem like uh, I'm reading words on a page, I'm reading a letter from a friend. And even when I'm reading his books, I can hear him speaking I can hear his voice resonating in my ears. And I can even picture him sitting there lecturing or sitting down and speaking to us. Suddenly now his books come alive and I can hear that voice resonating in my mind. And Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, left his heavenly throne to reveal God to us. God did not want to be just a concept in a book. God wanted you to see him as he truly is in the best way possible to reveal himself and make himself known to you in a deep and intimate way. That's why he became a man, to live amongst us. So that we're not just reading about some divine figure or concept living up there in heaven. Here with Christ, we had God incarnate, someone who we saw suffer with us, cry with us, rejoice with us. We saw him getting upset, getting frustrated, getting hungry, getting tired. We could meet God in person. And so when we read the word of God, hopefully it's not just words on a page, but we can picture the eternal God sitting down, speaking with us. So God wants us to know him in a deep and intimate way way. That's why he left heaven to come here and be with us. He desperately wanted to know us, not in a superficial way, 
but in a deep, personal, rich way. The knowing God doesn't come without some effort. So this Christmas season, set some time aside to be with him. Renew that friendship and relationship with him. If he stepped out of heaven to make himself known to us, that reveals his heart. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you. And take some time then, maybe half a day, maybe if you can, a full day, to sit down and be with him, get reacquainted, get to know him once again in a deep and intimate way. So Christ came to fulfill prophecy. He came to reveal deity. Third, he came to rescue humanity. In Mark chapter 10, his disciples come to him, and James and John ask him, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom glory, when you come to rule, we want the honored seats. I want to be on your left, and my brother wants to be on your right. Give us the top seats, man, when you come to rule. And Christ said something remarkable. He said, for you to sit on my left or my right has not been given to me. Hey, that authority belongs to my Father in heaven. But he says, but he amongst you who seeks to be the greatest shall be your servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Imagine that. The creator of the universe didn't come down here to earth and say, hey, come worship me. Here I am. He came to serve and to seek and give his life for those of us who were undeserving, who had turned away from him. He said, I've come to seek you, to come and find you and redeem you from eternal death to have an everlasting, rich, fulfilling life and a relationship with me. Only one person could come and save mankind. Only one person could. To fulfill the righteousness of God and the law, it had to be someone who was absolutely perfect, with absolutely no sin. And only God could meet that criteria. But it also had to be a human being. The whole concept of kinsman redeemer, a person who could take our place, someone who could die on a cross. It had to be someone who was human. And only the God-man could meet this criteria. So can you imagine the creator of the universe who deserves our loyalty and our worship instead came to serve us, to seek and save those who are lost? We may never understand the greatness of the sacrifice that Christ made. The cross symbolizes the great sacrifice of God, but so does Bethlehem and the Incarnation. Can you imagine God the Son in all his heavenly glory, sitting there in the glory of heaven, now abandoning that, taking on human form, limiting the exercise of his divine attributes, limiting himself so that he could become a man with placing freely upon himself the limitations of what it means to be human, to enter into our sin, fallen, sick world, to live amongst us, to suffer and then to die for us, those who had rejected and turned away from him. What an incredible sacrifice it was to choose to leave heaven to live with us. 
and to suffer alongside of us. I don't know if there's any illustration that can come close to that sacrifice that Christ made. Perhaps one of the best is found right here in Hawaii. Okay, one of the heroes of Hawaii, Father Damien. Any Damien grads here? Oh, hey, all right. His statue is there at the state capitol, probably one of the greatest heroes our state has ever known. Father Damien was born in Belgium, and he arrived in Honolulu in 1864. And after serving nine years in Hawaii, he heard about the leper colony in Molokai. The Kalaupapa leper colony was in a horrid, horrid state of anarchy, occupied by grotesquely disfigured lepers who desperately needed medical help, but were unable to receive any. It was a colony of lawlessness, where every form of immorality and misbehavior was committed each day, from rape to beatings, alcoholism, and more. Accounts written of the Molokai colony before Father Damien arrived speak of the smell of decaying flesh and of the crying voice of those dying on the beach, having been kicked out of the huts by other lepers. Young girls sent to Molokai were attacked and preyed upon by other lepers who literally had to fight each other to survive. Knowing this would be the situation, Father Damien chose to go to this pitiful community to serve. And there's an early picture of him, 1873, as a healthy young man there leaving for the island of Molokai, a handsome young man there departing for this colony. And he served there for about 16 years. That final picture there in a decayed state, he had contracted leprosy, and that picture was taken right before he died. But it is there, under his leadership, that the community actually became a livable place. Schools were built. A church was built. The sick were cared for and buried. And these forsaken people found a sense of dignity once again in their final days. He worked tirelessly among a people who were not his own, who had an illness he did not have. And his biography states, Over the years, Father Damien had done nothing to separate himself from his people. He dipped his fingers in the poi bowl shared with other patients. He shared his pipe. He did not always wash his hands after bandaging opening sores. And he had so wanted to relate to his people that he allowed nothing to separate him from them. You know, I've been to countries in Africa in clinics filled with young men and young children, disease-ridden with AIDS, epidemic that was breaking out at that time, covered in AIDS, being brief, just briefly on how contagious it actually is. And my initial response walking in there is not to hug these kids. My first reaction is to go, oh, whoa, hey, hang on. You know, let me put my gloves on or something. You know, or, hey, keep your distance, all right? That's my first reaction. And I admire those missionaries and doctors and nurses who sit day in and day out holding hands with these patients in their final days, treating them as fellow human beings, hugging them, holding them until their final days. That's not my first reaction. And to think that would I be willing to leave the comforts of Hawaii, paradise, surfing, 
golfing, all the great things I get to do to go live in those conditions. You know, but that's what Father Damien did, and that parallels closely what God the Son did. Leaving the glory of heaven to fall into our sick, sin-filled world to suffer alongside and die a horrid death for us that we may have eternal life. You know, Father Damien was just supposed to be in Molokai for just a few years. But when he was ordered to leave, he asked to stay and remain in Molokai. And he served there for another 12 years until one day he put his foot in a scalding hot bath and he felt nothing. And he realized that he had contracted the disease. And he died soon after, four years later, there in 1889. But Father Damien chose to leave his home to live amongst and serve in a foreign place filled with people that society despised in conditions that were absolutely just horrid. So in a similar fashion, the Son of God chose to leave the glories of heaven, to take on human form, to limit himself, to live amongst his creatures in a fallen earth, and he would contract our sin and take upon himself our sin and die to rescue us from sin and death. The cross reminds us of the greatness of the sacrifice of God the Son, but so does the incarnation as well. If you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not this Christmas season? The God of the universe left his heavenly throne to take upon human form to die on the cross for you and for me. By trusting in him as our Lord and Savior, we can have eternal, everlasting life. If you have not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, perhaps this is the day that God is calling you to trust him. Or perhaps for some of you, this is the time the journey begins to actually research and find out who this Son of God truly is. The fourth reason Christ came to earth was to reclaim lost territory. 1 John chapter 5 says that the whole world is presently under the power of the evil one. Throughout the book of 1 John, the apostle exhorts believers not to love the world or the things of the world. Now, there's several nuances for the term world here. Sometimes it means people. And obviously God is not saying don't love the people. Right? But the world here represents the system of the world, the values, the ideologies that dominate this world that is controlled by the evil one. And it sits in opposition to God. The world has been hijacked and is temporarily under the control of the evil one. Control was taken at the fall, but with the coming of Christ, now the redemption process has begun. And the defeat of evil and redemption is not only for mankind, but for all of creation. Romans 8 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. 
the redemption of mankind begins at the incarnation. God the Son has landed. And now, with victory on the cross, we know that the ultimate redemption and defeat of evil and the redemption of all of creation is soon to come to pass. You see, when you defeat an enemy, you've got to land on their home turf, drive them out of their territory, and defeat them in their hometown. In war, you cannot attain victory by simply bombing your enemy from a distance. You need boots on the ground to drive your enemy out of captured territory, then defeat them on their home turf. And you know, in World War II, after defeating the Germans in North Africa, the Allies knew they could not stop there. They needed to land in Europe and to drive the Nazis out of the captured lands back to Germany and defeat them on their home turf. And so a uh, great strategy was created and it was decided the best way to land in Europe was, as Winston Churchill said, under the soft underbelly of the German Empire, which was to land in Italy. And so the American General Patton and British General Montgomery chose to land on the island of Sicily, just south of Italy, and begin the invasion of Europe there. And when they had successfully landed and taken Sicily, the people of Europe began to mutter the good news. The Americans are coming. The Americans are coming. The Americans have landed. The Americans are coming. And the Allies had come to free Europe from an alien force that had placed it under its bondage, the Nazi Empire. And well, Bethlehem is where God has landed, has invaded human history. And this marks the beginning point when mankind would be ultimately freed from the powers of sin and death. The restoration of mankind and all of creation will soon take place because God has landed. And now he's moving in, reclaiming territory that was lost. And we can be sure one day the ultimate defeat of evil and the redemption of mankind and the creation will one day take place. But that's the great hope that Christmas brings for us. The great story of Christmas needs to be shared with our family and friends this Christmas season. There's very few seasons during the year when people are so open to hearing the message of Christ. So our life application is this. Why don't we pray that God gives you and me an opportunity to share this great message with a friend. Several of you mentioned to me that you're finding an open heart this Christmas season in some of your friends and family who you've been praying for for a long time. Well, pray. And when God gives you that opportunity, be prepared to share the good news this season. So Christ came to fulfill prophecy, to reveal God to us, to rescue humanity, and to reclaim lost territory. In a culture that is suppressing the message, the true reason for the season, let us as believers in Christ continue to boldly proclaim the true message of Christmas, the sacrifice, and to understand the sacrifice Christ made to enter into our world, become a man and suffer alongside us, 
but also the future hope that the restoration of all creation is coming. So may we never cease to boldly proclaim in our day the true reason for the season. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for coming to this earth. Thank you for this holiday season where we can remember the momentous occasion of Jesus Christ, our Savior, becoming a man and the sacrifice he made to redeem us from eternal death. I pray that each one of us would have an opportunity to share that message with at least one person, one friend or family member, one co-worker this season. And may all who call on the name of Christ have the privilege of seeing their loved ones trust you as their Lord and Savior this Christmas season. May it be a blessed season for all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Once again, our time has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, would you please consider partnering with us? Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. Also, we have articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your family, friends, and your church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Yeah.